0: Hey there, this is Red Zone Redemption, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Roto Heat Network. Make sure you follow us on your preferred podcasting network. We should be on there. And this is your host, FF Shane B. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome in to another episode of Red Zone Redemption. I am your host for the night, and as usual, Shane. You can find me on Twitter at FFShaneB. And joining me tonight is friend of the show and your new rotating host, uh, Mr. Eric Romoff has joined the rotation, so y'all give Eric a nice warm welcome by listening to this episode. Eric, how you doing tonight, buddy?
1: I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh I'm basking in the glow of that nice warm welcome. And I'm excited to kick off the I guess the end of the first week of twenty twenty two with the Red Zone
0: Redemption. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we are recording. It is nine forty-five Eastern time, halftime of Monday night football. Just wrapping up here shortly. So we're gonna give you guys waivers, starts and sits. And then some trade targets. And I may throw a couple of questions at Eric that he's not prepared for. So, all right. But before we do that, we're going to jump into our one question that we are now asking on this show every single time. And that is, what is one fantasy tip that can save your season? I did not put one on the show sheet, but it's going to be pretty similar to what I think Eric's may be. It actually may kind of coincide with it. It's always weird. Don't panic. If your guy is C.D. Lamb, don't panic. If your guy is Devontae Smith, panic just a little bit, and then don't panic. There's no way in hell that A.J. Brown can have nine catches and 143 yards or whatever he ended up with every single week. Don't panic on Devontae Smith. But just don't panic. It's week one. It's weird. People playing real full-time defenses and having their first full-time reps, don't panic. Eric, what is your fantasy tip that can save your season?
1: Yeah, you're you're definitely correct to say that there's some some overlap with our with our tips to put it in the famous words of Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X. I, I I think I think the advice is particularly for Poe in week one, but what I what I put down specifically is rise above overreaction. So not only is it Don't panic. Not only is it be patient with the guys that you drafted and the and the players that you invested in, but also like try to take advantage of it, right? Like the reason why there are two people on this podcast telling you not to overreact is because the natural thing to do in our emotions is to overreact. So there are people out in the world that are overreacting right now. And you can go pluck a you know dressed asset, quote unquote, off of their off of their roster for nice little discount so that's very much so what i'm doing right like obviously there are situations where you know there's cause for concern but i don't think there's really anything that can happen in a one-week sample that would have me just outright abandon ship right instead i have guys that i know what i'm looking for in the next week in the next four weeks in order to determine my path forward with them but i am definitely floating out not like insulting low ball offers, but below market offers on just about every player that disappointed in week one.
0: You, you tweeted that out today too, didn't
1: you? I sure did. I th- as I, I was, I as I was floating out low ball offers, yeah. <laughs> I was like, everyone should do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that tweet and I was like, that is so freaking smart. Uh, so make sure you guys are following Eric on Twitter at FantasyNav. That's in. Now let's hop into round one of the show, and that is waivers. So we've talked about in the last couple of episodes, be active in your waiver wire and it starts right here. So I, and myself and Eric have three players each that we believe you should go spend your FAB budget on or even your waiver priority. And we broke it down based off of FAB free agent auction bidding and have a 20% or more. Of your budget player a 10 to 15 percent per player and then a dart throw who you would throw five percent or less so we're gonna lead off with your your big hitter spend 20 percent plus of your budget on this player they it could end up being a league winner examples of these guys from the past couple years are James Robinson Elijah Mitchell probably Rashad Penny later on in the season different guys like that that you can go in and get and plug and play so Eric Who is your trying to go get this week on waivers?
1: So I've actually got a player that I think you should go out and spend 100% of your fab on. No way. Are you ready? Maybe. Through one half of football, Geno Smith is 17 of 18 for 162 yards and two touchdowns. I don't care what it costs. Go acquire Geno Smith. I'm just kidding. Please hey, do not dog, do any of please that. Please don't listen to that. <laughs> any of the advice that came out of my mouth in the prior 40 seconds was firmly tongue-in-cheek. But good on Geno Smith. He's having a good half of football. Everybody on Twitter is anointing him the new goat. So I just I just wanted to jump on the trend. I'm sorry. I just want to be trendy. That's
0: okay. You're, you're so my real
1: answer <laughs> for who I would spend 20% or more of my budget on is actually this year's version of a guy that you mentioned by name just a moment ago. We saw the absolute slop that the 49ers and Bears were forced to play on this Sunday. We all saw an injury or two coming. And unfortunately for Eli Mitchell, it was a I think it's a PCL strain, MCL strain, it's excuse MCL, me, yeah. that yeah, that that he suffered playing out in the mud. Looks like he's going to be missing several weeks. Absolute best case scenario is probably two or three. Sounds like five or six is more realistic. And Jeff Wilson Jr. is the guy that is seemingly the most likely case in terms of who is going to step up and fill that role that is left behind Eli Mitchell in this in this vaunted 49ers offense, right? I'm, I'm not sure how they do it, but it seems like every single year, Kyle Shanahan and the coaches that are in his tree manage to find some random practice squad guy, and undrafted free agent that all of a sudden fits really well in the scheme that they run. And for now, at least Jeff Wilson is is that next guy up. So he's 20% owned on Sleeper, 17% on Yahoo. For me, I mean, I'm a big fan of swinging big early in the season. So depending yeah. on what kind of the the texture of your running back room looks like, if, if you lost Eli Mitchell, if you have big questions to answer with guys like Cam Akers or the like, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to to bidding upwards of forty percent to go acquire Jeff Wilson.
0: Cool, I like that a lot. My only counterpoint to you is just me being a Niners hater and not ever really knowing which running back to go with, especially once the lead back goes down. And it just seems like their running back rooms, like you said, they'll find somebody who's a seventh round or undrafted free agent that can fit in their scheme perfectly but then he's going to be hurt in four weeks and it's going to be the next guy up. And that's just my concern is that it, it's never seemingly a stable, like this guy is your guy for the 49ers for a long period of time since Shanahan's been there. And it's super weird.
1: Cause like they, they, they do seem to suffer more injuries at that position than yeah. anyone else. And like, while they're known as a rushing steam, right? Like they're not running the ball 50 times a game. Like they're not, pounding these guys through the tackles with more volume. It just seems like bad luck has kind of fallen in there or rather against them in the the time that he's been the HC.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I put my player on there before some news came out today and it's making me want to kind of change my answer, but I'm going to stick with it because there's still potential for some, some fill in work here. So I'm going Jalen Warren running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you guys hadn't been paying attention, he had an injury right towards the end of the preseason. I believe it was his Liz Frank. He re-injured it towards the end of the game, didn't come back in in overtime. X-rays and MRIs came back negative today, though. So there is a possibility that he still plays on Sunday against the Patriots. I'm leaning on the possibility that he doesn't, and Jalen Warren is number two on the depth chart. So, he's currently owned 7% on Sleeper and 1.4% on ESPN. If you play on Yahoo, I'm sorry, he doesn't exist. I kid you not. I originally put that I would spend about 35% of my budget on him because of the outlook of Najee's injury when I first filled this out. I'm going to drop that to 30 I still think you should definitely play a big chunk to To get him, but I'm going with Jalen Warren. And Eric Man. just uh, updated me. Apparently, he does exist on Yahoo. My Yahoo just hadn't updated. So, Eric, while you're uh, showing me your phone screen, what is his percentage roster?
1: <laughs> what a what a great device for an audio medium, right? Currently on Yahoo, <laughs> Jalen Warren is five percent roster. That includes a three percent increase in the last week basically anyone that doesn't have waivers running on Tuesday into Wednesday, a little bit of inside baseball. One of my favorite things to do is to try to distract and disorient Shane anytime that I stop (laughs) by his lovely shows. So I'm just having an absolute blast over here. But also I completely agree with the take. right? You know, 35% as we stand right now is probably a bit more than I would want to spend. It's the high end of the range. If I was, and in the places where I am, a Najee Harris owner. I I love Najee Harris's role in this offense. The thing that always knocked him down draft boards for me is it wasn't super clear who his handcuff would be. And now it feels like we have clarity in that circumstance, right? So yeah. if nothing else, we now have a, a good grasp of if this issue, if this injury persists, if he re injures something down the road, you now have line of sight to who the insurance policy is, but also, and this is a, as someone who drafted a lot of Najee Harris earlier in the in the off-season and the preseason, Liz Frank injuries scare the bejesus out of me. They always linger. They always seem to get re-injured. They always seem to hinder and to be a pain tolerance thing much longer than any of the medical staff will sort of comment about or release onto. They're just a, a huge issue. The the weird thing is it, it seemed like Najee Harris, like the way that he got kind of rolled up on in that play, it looked much more like an ankle injury. Yeah. But even so, like, if if this is an opportunity for me to kind of divest in Najee Harris or at least get my backup plan in place, I'm I'm all for it, right? So yeah, I'm I'm happy to go up to that 35% threshold, where I'm you know having to navigate the Harris injury. But even even in cases where I, I don't have Harris, like I, I think that Jalen Warren is, is a nice speculative ad because if this lingers, if it becomes an issue later in the season, you now have the guy who's going to get the workload.
0: For sure. All right, let's move on to our 10 to 15% budget player. I'm going to go first on this one because I absolutely love this player. Love that he caught two touchdowns this week. And I think... I just think that this offense is going to be very good and a lot more balanced than I think people are really wanting to admit. And it's Devin Duvernay. He's 20% rostered on Sleeper, 2% on Yahoo, 2.3% on ESPN. And I'm willing to go to the max on this kind of of our budget that we're, we're spending and go as a wide receiver. Uh, I think that puts him probably third in the pecking order for right now. Isaiah likely, I he doesn't scare me personally. I think he's good. I think he's talented, but I think there's going to be too many. There's not going to be enough balls to go around for him to be as, I guess, effective and and productive as as fantasy managers want him to be. I think it's going to be Bateman, Duvernay, Andrews, and then when Dobbins comes back, Dobbins, and I really like Duvernay uh thank you to andy singleton at people's pin on twitter for pointing this out in the middle of my Scott Fair player for this range
1: yeah i like i like duvernay as an upside play i think the thing that kind of gives me pause about him specifically is i think what we've seen this week is his upside right like i don't think we're gonna get you know many more many or any other two touchdown games out of him right but the The thing that's that's promising for me is that it shows that he has he has a role to play in this offense, right? Like yeah. it was largely presumed that this was going to be the Bateman and Mark Andrews show. I think to varying degrees, it likely still will be. But even going back to last year with Hollywood Brown, right? Like it was the the past offense was really funneled through those two players. So we have a guy that's been around. He's got some rapport with Lamar Jackson. He knows this offense well. And they're going to him in those high leverage situations, hence why he has two touchdowns on four receptions. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that he he will not be kind of the afterthought that he was once presumed to be in That's this it. offense. Isaiah Likely no no thank you. <laughs> I know that you were you were mentioning him more to set up your point about about Duvernay, but I mean realistically he would need Nick Boyle to stay injured in order to have a role in this offense. He had that in the first week and he only saw four targets of which he didn't haul in any. So he's he's playing better than I think the Ravens anticipated he would be when they brought him in. But I mean, he's not going to be a threat to to really register on the radar for this offense.
0: Well, the other thing that I don't know if people really considered with likely also is that Dobbins was out. I think Dobbins is going to be a huge threat in the passing game. Once he's healthy and ready to come back, which I I don't expect him to miss too much more time. So.
1: Yeah, sorry Jets fans. I, I think that if if Baltimore was facing a more competitive team in week one, they might yeah. have even pressed him into action immediately, yeah. right? I agree. So they felt pretty comfortable in, in what they could what they could pull off. They obviously showed their ability to do that when it was all said and done. And they didn't they didn't want to press the issue with him. Sure.
0: All right, who is your guy here? I love this answer. Really.
1: I love it too. That's why I put it down. I also love that Sleeper is just like a categorically sharper platform than anything else out there, <laughs> right? right? Like,
0: <laughs> like all
1: of these players that are like kind of fringy and like 1% to 3% owned on Yahoo and ESPN are like 20 or 30% <laughs> owned on Sleeper. So if you're playing on Sleeper, you're doing good. My guy is yeah, Joshua that's
0: Palmer. Sorry, repeat who who your player is since I cut you off.
1: (laughs) My my player is Joshua Palmer. He is 30% owned on Sleeper. Shout out Yahoo, 21%, doing your best out there. The thing for me is really twofold. One, I think that these percentages are just too low as they are. I think Joshua Palmer is an emerging and ascending talent on an offense that could potentially lead the league in scoring this year. So to try to get access to and exposure to that offense through a player that is on the rise is the type of upside shot that I like to take. Also, throughout the course of the preseason and the offseason, Justin Herbert was absolutely singing this kid's praises. I think at one point he said, he's going to get peppered with targets. So there's a lot of cause for optimism. And then now the kind of bummer news, Keenan Allen was on his way to absolutely just ripping apart the Raiders' secondary. I think he saw like 14 snaps and had, what was it, six receptions for 40 yards or whatever. He was just going to do the most Keenan Allen thing. He then injured his hamstring. It seems like this is a grade two strain to his hamstring, which typically results in some missed playing time. And while kind of the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, well, Mike Williams to the moon, when Keenan Allen missed time last year, it was actually Joshua Palmer who stepped into into his role in the offense. So, I expect that to be very much so the case here, if he is to miss time. And the reason why I like this acquisition so much is that even if he doesn't miss time or his absence is brief, I do like Joshua Palmer as a hold as it is. So yeah, I've got him in. I've got him in at twelve percent of budget. This is me being a little bit cheeky. I wouldn't mind paying fifteen eighteen percent to to go out and get him. I just yeah. I think twelve twelve, or thirteen can probably get through
0: yeah sure and and with palmer i he's one of those guys that I think because of how good this offense is going to be, he's probably got some standalone flex appeal anyway, so even if Keenan Allen doesn't miss time, I still think he's got flexible flexible ability, so I like that a lot. Alright, dart throw. I think we went on two opposite ends of the spectrum here, and I love that. So, you go first, and I'm going to actually add a player to your dart throw as a potential dart throw. So, you go first. Oh man,
1: we are uh, we're, we're going like five layers deep here because I was going to add another player to my dart throw. So, I'll add a player to your player that you're adding to my dart okay. throw. Let's,
0: my let's dart see.
1: throw is Tyrion Davis-Price. He is sitting at 19% on sleeper. He's down in the single digits on Yahoo. Really the exact argument that I made earlier for Jeff Wilson also applies to Tyrion Davis-Price. The reason why I wanted to bring him up is he's he was a healthy scratch last week, which was kind of weird, but he doesn't really play special teams, so it makes sense. But of the remaining running backs, he's easily the most dynamic you know, logically it seems like Jeff Wilson should be the next person to step up, but there's also a non zero chance that Tyrion Davis Price gets gets onto the field and impresses with that workload and grabs that the the reins of that that lead dog position in the in the backfield for San Francisco. So a guy that you can go out and probably get pretty comfortably for five percent or sub five percent of your fab budget is the type of prospecting that I like to do on the, on the back end of my bench.
0: I like it. All right. So my, my hand grabbing onto your cart tails is Jordan Mason. That's not who I had. <laughs> yeah. So Jordan Mason, he's uh, owned 4% on sleeper and 0.4% on ESPN. I'm not looking at Yahoo because my Yahoo numbers were wrong or he didn't exist. I don't <laughs> know. But, uh, I just think he is a viable dart throw as well. You could do a zero bid on him. I'd be okay with that. Because again, we talked about it with Jeff Wilson. If Jeff Wilson goes down, then it becomes the TDP and the Jordan Mason show. and Or even with just the way that Shanahan runs the ball, it could be all three. And then maybe Jordan Mason impresses and you got him for $0 off your Fab. So that was my add-on.
1: Yeah, I mean the the same sort of logic applies, right? Like whomever steps up to be the lead back in San Francisco is going to be a valuable asset. So all of these guys that have a chance of doing that should be on the radar. The the sort of sliding scale is how much you can you have to go out and spend to acquire them. And if you are certainly if you're not playing on a sleeper league, you can almost certainly go out and uh and get Mason after waivers run as a free guy that you pick up Wednesday morning.
0: Yeah. Love it. Did you have an add on to my add on or was that it? Uh,
1: not one that relates to your add on, but similar sort of philosophy to what I was saying with Jalen Warren earlier in uh, in the segment. I do also like going out and getting Don Charles Hilliard. I think that you can also get him for sub I 5% would... or close to free.
0: Ooh, I was, I would, put him 5-10% to 10% actually. Sure. I just think he's got more, like, with the work he received in the receiving game, man, that was really worded poorly, but the work that he got in the receiving game, there, that was a little better, I think he's viable because Derek Henry is not going to get that work. Not that he can't, and I think he should because, I mean, could you imagine trying to tackle Derek Henry in the passing game? No, thank you. But, I think Hilliard's gonna have a part in this offense, and I'd be willing to go above five percent to up to ten percent for him.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I guess I was I was sort of underestimating just how much a single two touchdown game will inflate someone's value. I kind of had the sense that you could just sort of squeak him in for you know a couple a sure. couple of shekels, but he is coming off of a twenty two point performance, so he'll certainly be on people's radar, but. Kind of like I was saying with Jalen Warren, he very much so is the clear handcuff, right? So, mm-hmm. if you are someone who rosters Derek Henry, if you are the type of diabolical, evil mastermind that likes to roster other people's handcuffs, Hilliard is that guy in Tennessee. So, certainly worth a look here in the the, the first week run.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, and then my dart throw, my actual dart throw is Jamal Williams. And I kind of went opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like, with Eric, where it's someone who he's rostered at 45% on Sleeper, 56% on Yahoo, 36% on ESPN. I try to keep it for the for all of these players 50% or lower, so obviously on Yahoo, he's an outlier. He's got flex appeal by himself. Even as a backup running back, he's got flex appeal. And then what we've seen this week and what we've seen even when he was on the Packers with Aaron Jones is this mother trucker is a freaking touchdown vulture. He is going to steal touchdowns from your starting running back, and it's going to piss you off. So go bid him and put him in your flex. This is me. Did that happen to you?
1: I I feel seen and more than any, more than any other running back on my dynasty rosters, DeAndre Swift is my uh, most highest or my highest exposed player. I I have a ton of Swift out in dynasty and the very first episode of hard knocks when he's in there getting ready to, to, to break the huddle and he's in there crying about how much he wants this for Detroit. I was like, this dude is gonna steal so many touchdowns from DeAndre whip, <laughs> but he he is just tugging on the hard strings. Like, dude, of like all coaches like totally get up for that kind of stuff. But specifically Man Campbell, who's talking about like biting That's people's kneecaps off and like and so like much. beating up on people that have one ass cheek. Like, you know that if a single player is gonna get that emotional when they're breaking the huddle, he's he's got a special place in Man Campbell's heart. And While it's not logical, while all of these touches should be going to DeAndre Swift and his, like, nine yards per carry, they're not. (laughs) Jamal Williams is going to get more than anybody wants him to, so certainly fair to have him on the flex radar.
0: Yeah, because the reason I think he should be a dart throw is because he is higher rostered. So... I don't, like, I'm not willing to go blow my budget on him because I don't think he's got more than flex appeal. But if you stick him in your flex, he's going to kill for you. And other people are probably overlooking him because they're like, oh, he's already on a roster. So go search him, throw 5% at him, and win your freaking league. So, okay, we're moving on to the next segment, and this is Eric's least favorite segment, according to our uh, text message conversation from earlier today and it starts and sits. So we're going to give you one player each that you should start and you should sit. Eric, do you want to go kind of rapid fire on this?
1: Sure. All right. It's not necessarily in my nature, but I can try to be brief.
0: Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So we'll start with quarterback. Who is your must start at quarterback?
1: My must start at quarterback is Matt Stafford. I think that Thursday night game was more a result of them not playing any of their starters in the preseason. And if you need any –
0: Gross with how good it's going to be.
1: This is also fair. And if you need any any reason to start a quarterback against the Falcons, go look at Jameis Winston completing 23 of 34 for 269 yards and two touchdowns. I think Stafford's going to have a nice bounce back.
0: Cool. I like it. My QB start of the week is Derek Carr. He's going against the Arizona Cardinals. Patrick Mahomes just carved this defense up like nobody's business. Yes, that's Patrick Mahomes. But this may be hot take-ish, but Derek Carr has better weapons than Patrick Mahomes this year. (laughs) I wish you guys could see Eric's face right now. But tell me I'm wrong, Eric, with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro being... Cars top three, whereas with Mahoney, you. I like that was,
1: how you're I you're starting stuff. this argument by not saying Travis Kelsey's name,
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> just
1: try I, to bear just try to sandwich him there in the middle.
0: I had a maybe <laughs> a tiny bit of a brain fart, but no, I think the overall the sum of the parts of Cars' weapons are better than Kelsey's, where Kelsey has the best. I don't know. I'd still consider Adams close to to Kelsey, but that's just me. So. Starting Eric Carr this week, he's going to tear up the Cardinals because, yikes. All right, who are we sitting this week? And I swear you put yours on the show sheet just to piss me off, so you go first.
1: No, no, I did not because I love Tua like a son.
0: Okay, me too.
1: I want nothing but good things for Tua, but also we have to be realistic that he's heading into a buzzsaw of a matchup either on the road facing off against Baltimore, even if they're hosting him down in Miami. You know, two of this this offense did fairly well in week one, right? I think it's a bit of a down near for the the Patriots. So maybe not the measuring stick that they once were, but he is kind of on that back end QB one sort of fringe starter level, and this is a week where I would look to make other plans.
0: I'm gonna disagree with you there just because I think Miami's offense is going to be better than the Jets all season. But points, I think. You, I like. I agree with the premise of what you said. The Ravens are a good defense, but the Dolphins are going to be a better offense than the Jets ever will be. And I would, I would consider starting to at least. That's what I'm saying. My answer is similar to yours. And they're facing an absolute buzzsaw of a defense, and it's Mac Jones. And if Mac Jones is hurt don't even consider starting his backup quarterback. They're playing the Steelers. Steelers are going to rip that team apart, especially with the lack of wide receiver threat. Like, don't start Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, I All mean, right. I, it, I I don't know who's starting Mac Jones in the first place, but if you have been, it is time to have a look in the mirror and make, make different plans.
0: A- agreed, but... I just needed to solidify that one here, right, all right, must start at running back. We both went with, with three letter guys. I'll start off. I'm going c e h He's back he He finally saw the workload that he's needed to see his entire time in Kansas City. If you ask me,
1: yeah, absolutely love the c e h call. He was one of my my flag plants in the d f s game this week, but unfortunately. All of my builds that had CEH also had some combination of T. Higgins and Elijah Mitchell and guys that generally didn't perform or made or play an entire game. But love to see CEH actually taking a step forward this year. For me, the player that I put in, my three-lettered player, is Travis Etienne. Obviously, we saw James Robinson kind of take the spotlight from out of this Jacksonville backfield week one against the commanders. But while he had the, certainly the the scoring opportunity put up a significantly greater, significantly bigger day on the, on the fantasy streets, their workload was almost identical. I think ETN actually had 36 snaps to James Robinson's 34. So essentially a 50, 50 split. Now he heads into a game against the Colts where they should be trailing at least more often than they were in the commander's game and this cult team that made rex burkhead look like kareem hunt almost i mean just absolutely getting gashed with with receptions out of the backfield that's obviously a much stronger suit for travis etn so happy to give him another second give him another chance in week two
0: solid I like it too. I also feel like people forget on ETN, like it's his fir- it was his first meaningful ending off of a major injury. Like give the guy some time to, to adjust and actually play in full speed games before you write him off. So yeah, I love this call. Who is your sit?
1: My sit is David Montgomery. A lot of it is, again, matchup based. The Bears are heading into face off against the Packers a Packers team that made Dalvin Cook look pretty average. I think he had 20 touches or 20 carries for like 90 or so yards. So Because they weren't uh,
0: covering Justin Jefferson, but I'm not bitter.
1: Yeah, right. So yeah, with with that, it it seems like the strength of this Packers defense, to whatever extent there is, one is against the ground game. And David Montgomery was... Absolutely abysmal in that in that week one game at Soldier Field right? he had one point seven yards per carry. So obviously a lot of that had to do with condition, but getting Thank off to you. a slow start coming into a game that is at least above average in terms of strength against the run. So would we'll be looking to go a different direction than than Monty this week.
0: Nice, I like that. I I was hoping you would mention the weather uh, at the very. I'm going with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Offensive line was abysmal. Dak is gone, which I think leans more towards Zeke, but I do not trust whoever... Well, it's Cooper Rush. I don't trust Cooper Rush to be able to do any better than than Dak did with a worse offensive line, and that's going to hurt, I think, both of these guys in the passing game. And ultimately, I feel like the Bengals are gonna be able to key in on the run and stop both of these guys as well. So I'm benching them if I can.
1: Yeah, that I wouldn't say it surprises me necessarily, but I don't know if I'm fully bought in to that yet. I mean, it was it was essentially a split between Zeke and Pollard in week one. Yep. Zeke got the the edge and volume a little bit. But I mean Zeke looked pretty solid. He he had 10 oh, carries for 52 agree. yards. I I think the way that this probably plays out is we probably see Zeke's volume increase so that in and of itself should kind of ratchet down his efficiency. And then the opposing defense, in this case, the Bengals being able to really tee off against the run probably works to bring that down a little bit further. So, I mean, he's probably more of a flex guy in my range, mm-hmm. but there, there are several... Sort of roster constructions out there where you have three better options than Z cutting in the week two, so I don't don't hate the call. Yeah, all
0: right, all right. we're gonna flip things around and go sits first on wide receivers and tight ends. So who are you uh, sitting first?
1: I am sitting Hunter Renfro facing right. off against those now that I've forgotten the team that we talked about earlier, the Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals. Uh, mainly, mainly to do with Isaiah Simmons. He is an absolute monster over the middle. I thought that he was going to shut down Travis Kelsey in week one, because I forgot that he was Travis Kelsey, but for players not named Travis Kelsey, Simmons is a real problem out there. And then we also saw just how much of the volume was distributed first to Devonte Adams. I think he had 19 targets. And then Darren Waller, very much so, sort of reemerged as the second option in this offense. So I think it's it's limited volume for Renfro in a very tough matchup. So looking to go a different direction.
0: I like it. <clears throat> All right. So if you've listened to the the nightcap and now Red Zone Redemption over the last two or three years, you know that every now and again I will sit a player on a, a prove it moment, and that is what I'm going with for my wide receiver sit. Until he proves it otherwise, I'm benching Allen Robinson. The route tree that I saw was not exciting. I do think that, like Eric mentioned, going against the Bills defense, not starting their starters, probably deter- like detracted from this offense as a whole. I'm hoping that the offensive line plays better so then Robinson can actually use a route tree and get open. But until I actually see him score more than 10 fantasy points, I got to mention for now because it's not looking great. Who are yeah. you starting? And the, <laughs> we talked about this, what, two hours ago on the phone. Uh, <laughs> and it's working out in your favor, buddy. So <laughs> have at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just to be clear, let the record show that I, I mentioned this and had this in the sheet about an hour and a half before kickoff. But my my call is is Jerry Judy, who's currently in the midst of a two for 70 and one touchdown campaign at this point through about three quarters of Monday Night Football. I mean, really, the, the calculus is pretty straightforward for me. They're going up against a Texan secondary that just let Michael Pittman feast on them all day, right? So Judy isn't the kind of singular target funnel in this Broncos offense that Michael Pittman is in the Colts, but the point really persists, right? This this Texan secondary can be exposed. You know, there were a couple of nice pass breakups from Stingley Jr., specifically down the stretch for the Texans, but ultimately he is a rookie playing in his second game. I do think that he can be exposed and it'll be a nice day
0: out. I love it. I really think that this can be a 1A, 1B situation in Denver. And it's going to be similar, I think, to similar but better to what it was in Seattle where D.K. Metcalf would go off one week. Tyler Lockett would go off one week. I think it's going to be pretty similar. I'm hoping for a little bit more consistency from both of these guys. But I love this call. My start, I'm going out on a limb here, man. I am going out on a limb here and picking a rookie for my must start of the week. And that is... Jahan Dotson, wide receiver for the Washington Commanders. And I kind of hate it because Carson Wentz actually played really well and I made fun of him literally all offseason with how bad he was. But this is the same, they're playing Detroit, and this is the same Detroit Lions defense that just let A.J. Brown go for just absolutely bonkers. I don't remember what they. In stat line was, but at one point it was nine catches for 143 yards. Holy cow. Um, Terry McLaurin gets covered buck wild because the dude can play. And we saw it in his first week. Scored 18 fantasy points. I'm here for it again. 18 fantasy points or more because I, I think the Lions secondary is going to be one of their weaker points all season and teams are going to be able to expose him there. Let's see if Carson Wentz can keep up this, uh, or can start a hot streak. Because for it to be a hot streak, you got to hit three in a row. So we'll see what happens here.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't hate that that Dotson call. I kind of liked Dotson heading into the beginning of the regular season because all the reporting coming out of Washington was that while Terry was holding out for a little bit, that Wentz and Dotson really got into a nice rapport. I don't think a three-catch game with two touchdowns is necessarily in the cards for him in week two or really at any point going forward. But I do think that he has the confidence of Carson Wentz where, I mean, it certainly comes up and bites him plenty of times. But having that confidence means that he's going to try to fit it into to to Jahan Dotson on third down and throw it to him in the end zone. So definitely has some nice scoring upside and, and you're spot on, right? Like. I, I think a lot of players high water marks for receptions, for receiving yards, is are going to come in the week where they're they're facing off against the Lions. So this is certainly the matchup to do it.
0: Yeah, and I I get what you're saying about the two touchdowns piece. And again, it was his first game, so I really think that the talent will continue to win out. I don't know if he'll be better than Terry, but I, I think he'll be a very serviceable two or even one B as long as Carson Wentz can, you know, not suck. And so we'll see what what happens there. All right, back to sits for tight end. Let's actually go rapid fire here. So you go first. Who is your sit?
1: My sit is a guy who technically isn't a tight end, or maybe he is Taysom Hill. He has been added in thousands and thousands of Yahoo leagues just in the last 36 hours or so. And he was only on the field for like, 25 percent of snaps so it's not going to happen again he will do annoying things kind of like jamal williams but
0: jamal at, williams a, at a, a more time. consistent snapshot
1: right but in in terms of being annoying but he he's, he's his floor is just absolute nothing for weeks and weeks on end so playing the guessing game of trying to figure out when he's going to do the annoying thing is extra annoying and i don't want that in my life
0: facing the ravens defense don't foresee that happening again. The Jets don't have a nameable tight end at this point. I mean, it's CJ Yuzoma, but he's not going to be a threat like... Excuse me. Um, so, I, I'm i just... I'm not taking my chances with Kasiki this week. I think he will bounce back, but it's not going to be this week. Alright, must start. I'm going first. Gerald Everett... You want pieces of this offense. He was a great late tight end target. Still is. Potentially on waivers, I'd have to go look. But I am starting Gerald Everett this week. Because he's just going to ball out again. All right, go.
1: For me, the must start is none other than Dalton Schultz. It seems like generally when backup quarterbacks come in, they like to... Uh, really target tight ends pretty heavily. If you look at week eight last year when Cooper Rush was the starting quarterback, Dalton Schultz saw seven targets. So I I do think that he'll see his volume increase and people are going to be kind of nervous, have some trepidation about starting him. So I I think he's still fairly safe as far as tight ends go.
0: I like it. All right, let's move on. Let's do defenses. I'm literally, like, one word, who the team is, no explanation. Who's your must start?
1: Cincinnati, and the thing for me, Nope. Cincinnati's playing playing Dallas.
0: All right, so my must start is Pittsburgh. Again, saw defense, played really well. I am sitting the Chargers because that game's going to be a shootout, and they are playing the Chiefs. Eric, let's take you off of mute. Who is your sit?
1: I am sitting the Vikings against an okay. Eagles team that I think will not.
0: So last year we did buy highs, buy lows, and then we did trade reviews of trades that you guys actually he trades this week, probably because it's week one. So we're going to jump into buying high. And the whole premise of this is buying a a player who is at their peak, but is going to maintain that level of performance or can maintain that level of performance, whether it's someone like uh, Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, different guys like that, where you know the talent's there, they had a good week, you want to get them on your team, you're willing to pay up for them. And so I'll lead off just so I can give Eric some more time to think about his explanation. I'm going with Justin Jefferson here. Yes, I realized that the Packers defense didn't guard him like they should have. And the dude had just an incredible game. Is that game repeatable week in, week out? No. Is he going to be a top fantasy option every week? Yes. And so I am going to try and go buy him this week. What kind of package it would take to get him? I had no idea. If you're in a dynasty league, probably two firsts. At plus, if you're in a redraft league, you're going to have to offer two viable starters that could replace his production based on where the other team is lacking. So that's my guy. Who is your buy high candidate, Eric?
1: So my buy high candidate is Stephon Diggs. For a lot of the same reasons that you laid out with J. Jeff's absolutely dynamic talent he's on one of the most prolific offenses in the entire league. Maybe with just how involved guys like Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie were in week one, you might be able to get him at a little bit of a discount, but even paying face value, I think that he will will return dividends for you on your roster for as long as you have him. I love it. And I, I
0: think... That's the other point with Jefferson is this offense looks so different with Kevin O'Connell at the helm that he's going like Jefferson's going to ball out continually. And that I think that's actually an, a great point to bring up with Diggs, too, is they lost day ball, but the offense didn't didn't miss a beat. So I, I love it. OK. I love your buy low answer so, so, so much that I want you to do it first.
1: Yeah. So, continuing under the theory of buying guys that underperformed in week one and throwing away that slop of a game in Soldier Field, I am going to scoop up Darnell Mooney everywhere that I can. He was, I think he was top five in targets last year. I, I expect that to continue and be a trend. Here, this year, you know, everything that happened in week one in Soldier Field can really just be kind of written off as an anomaly. So happy to go out and get Mooney and we'll start collecting many, many targets as soon as this week.
0: Sure. I absolutely love that call. What are you willing to offer to go get him? Specifically in Dynasty. I
1: already have him in all of my Dynasty leagues. (laughs) I would probably be willing to offer like a like a wide receiver two and a second, maybe a first and a like a later draft consideration. Somewhere around there. It it seems like so it's it's tricky because I feel like whoever rosters Darnell Mooney in your dynasty league probably loves them. So really? you're probably gonna have to pay a little bit more than what I just laid out. But that range is probably like his fair market value you're just not dealing with fair people when you're trying to pry Darnell Mooney away from them
0: yeah that's a good point too I mean I think I would add a third to the second and a wide receiver too because if they're paying attention to dynasty they know that this 2023 class is supposed to be loaded but i what I've also heard, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but what I've heard is that it's it's top-heavy. And so they may hear, oh, this draft class is great and want as many draft pieces as they can get in it. So if you throw in a third as kind of a sweetener, they may be a little more willing to bite um, just, a, just a thought there. Just so, always
1: throw in a third. Thirds yeah. are there to get deals done.
0: Yep, 100%. All right, mine, I went big ticket. I'm going C.D. Lamb. While the DAC injury does scare me, the offense looked absolutely abysmal, he's still C.D. Lamb. And in Dynasty, the kid is going to ball out. It may not be this year. This year may be frustrating as I'll get out. But the talent is there for me no matter what. And I do think he can be a wide receiver one in this offense. Again, it was week one. It was weird. Their offensive line played like absolute garbage, but maybe a little bit of a silver lining. I think the Buccaneers have a top five, possibly top two defensive line and a ton of depth on it to where the Cowboys offensive line may be bad, but it's not that bad because they were having to face such a challenging opponent. So I'm going CD lamb. I think I'm willing to offer a first and potentially some type of flex player to get that deal done as a buy low offer. What do you think?
1: If, if I could get that deal through, I would feel very good about what I've, what I've accomplished in the, in the dynasty game. Like I don't think there's going to be quite as much overreaction to to Dak going down, right? Like, if you have, yeah. if the person who rosters C.D. Lamb in your Dynasty League is also in a win-now window, then you might be able to get one like that through. But for me, I, I think C.D. is still a top five or six wide receiver prospect in the Dynasty game, so I, I wouldn't be afraid to send over, you know, first round plus to to get him in.
0: Sure. I like it. Okay, here's the curveball for you. Who are players that you are targeting to replace injured players? I'm specifically thinking of Dak and Elijah Mitchell. And then we'll throw Well oh, and Chris Godwin. And then we'll throw Najee in just for fun. Who are some guys that you are targeting to replace those guys?
1: Yeah, so the the easy answer for most of them is whomever I believe to be their handcuff, right? So we talk about Jalen Warren, we talk about Jeff Wilson. If I can go out and and backfill the player that I have lost with the player that's going to get the majority of their touches, that is very much so my preferred route. Okay. In absence of that, you know, I, I think Rex Burkhead is going to have a role in this offense for a good while here. Same thing with Dontrell Hilliard that we talked about earlier whichever of JD McKissick or Antonio Gibson is potentially still available on your wire, I think is worth a look, you know, generally speaking looking for guys that either get a decent number of touches or in a lot of the examples that is laid out are at least involved as a pass catcher so that you can get a nice little, uh, nice little PPR floor with some, some scoring upside out of them for, for Dak. I I think I would probably just look to stream wherever I wherever I I rostered him um you know coming up immediately our friend Carson Wentz going up against the Lions is someone that I would consider kind of like a sort of longer to sort of mid horizon option might be like a Marcus Mariota who looked to be okay pretty comfortable in that Atlanta offense someone that can you know at least get you positive points from the position and not have you you know plucking the wire every single week but Those are the kind of guys
0: that I would look for. Sure. I like that. Uh, For me, I'll just try and give specific names. For Dak, especially in 1QB leagues, you can probably get Ryan Tannehill or Davis Mills off your wire, and I'm good with either of those. I had a couple hours ago, roughly an hour ago, who would you be looking to replace out of those two? I said it kind of depends on roster construction. Uh, If you're looking, I'm probably trying to trade for guys that are either in, I don't want to say murky backfield situations, but more of a split backfield, or were projected to be in a split backfield and aren't necessarily. I'm thinking Cordell Patterson, especially if you're contending. I like Melvin Gordon as a trade target. Can't believe I'm saying that. and then. I can't can't remember who suggested, but we'll go Miles Sanders too. I feel like Miles Sanders had a a decent day and didn't have the best offseason, so you may be able to capitalize on that. So those are my three guys there. For wide receiver, go to your waiver wire and get Josh Palmer or Devin Duvernay, (laughs) And that'll wrap up the show. So, Eric, where can people find you on Twitter? and anything that you would like to plug currently sir
1: all of my work rolls up into my personal twitter that is at fantasy nav super excited to be doing the diehards dfs show every saturday night at nine o'clock eastern for the football diehards that will also be on my twitter handle and check out the stuff that we're building over at green screens media it is green screens media on youtube
0: Awesome job. And obviously, Pros with Joe's is going on right now. I think I'm about to win my matchup against Jeff Bell. Jeff, you suck it. But other than that, Eric, thank you very much for coming on and and joining the rotation of of guest hosts. I loved chatting with you, buddy, so thanks for coming on. Make sure you guys follow Z Redemption. And this is Red Zone Redemption, where... We help you make the moves to redeem your fantasy season.